want you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. We're in a series called Take It Back. We've been here for the last three years, and um, it's been incredible. Take it back. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now listen to this. This has been our statement. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Friends, that is a declaration and a posture. It's Father's Day. We're celebrating all the dads. But Father's Day is not always happy for everyone. There's, there's single moms that are in this, in this room that are fathering and mothering their children. There, there, there are dads that have regret that are in this room. There, there are men and women that have lost their dads in this last year or maybe this last season. So Father's Day isn't always happy for everybody. But I'm going to tell you this. If you're within the sound of my voice today, you have the opportunity to make a declaration and to stand postured saying, as for me and my house, not just me, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The, the, the most effective way for you to change the world is to change your family. I, I, mean, I, I know you're really good on Facebook, but the most effective way for you to change the world is to change your family. Luke chapter 6 New Testament passage of Scripture, and this is where we'll get the, the rest of the message. Luke chapter 6, verse 6. Luke was a doctor. He wrote the book of Luke. He says, on another Sabbath, he went, Jesus, into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. This, this, this just ticks me off. The religious leaders are in church, not to worship God, but to look for something to criticize. Man, I'm telling you, the church is so different today than it was then. <laughs> they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, but Jesus knew what they were thinking. Scary thought. All the stuff we're trying to hide from Jesus, he already knows. He already knows. And he knew... Their thoughts. Get up. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Said to the man with a shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all. I love that thought. Because Jesus like throws just a like killer question out there. And then he, he looks at them. It's called, in, in public speaking, it's called the pregnant pause. Just a little awkward, holds a little tension, and Jesus just looks. Then he says, he looked around them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your shriveled hand. Another translation says, stretch out your withered hand. You could say this, stretch out your withered dreams. You could say it this way, stretch out your withered mentality. You could say it this way, stretch out your withered past. He says, stretch out your withered hand. And his hand was completely restored. His plan was completely restored. It's interesting, Jesus is in the synagogue. This is where, I mean, this is their church. There are religious leaders. They are leaders. They are theologians. They are smart. They are followers of the way. They're there with Jesus. And they are not there 
to participate. They are there to criticize. They're there to poke fun at. They're there to try to trap Jesus in what he was doing. Can I just help everybody out? That resistance does not always mean that you're going the wrong way. That wherever there is a great move of God, there will also be resistance to that move. In fact, in the times of greatest persecution in the early church was the time of greatest multiplication. I'm just going to declare this over our church right now in the middle of a crazy culture, in the middle of a crazy time where there is great pressure, where there is great resistance. There's about to be great multiplication. Here these religious leaders are. They, they should be the ones that giving encouragement. They should, be ha- they should have their hand around the man with the withered hand saying, come on, let's come to Jesus. But instead, they're, they're, they're watching and they're waiting to, for Jesus to do something that they can trap him in. I'm just going to tell you, if you came to church to find something wrong today, you're going to find it. If you come to Jesus to find something wrong with him, you're going to find it. You'll be wrong, but you'll find it. If Whatever you're looking for, you will find. You know, pe- people love to love on people who are down and out. Man, if you want a support group, if you're down and out, people will love on you. But when you are successful, the people that loved on you now are jealous of you and they'll leave you. People love to help you, give you a hand up, but they hate it when you're up. This is Jesus. As long as Jesus is walking the face of the planet and walking with authority and taking, he's taking charge, now they're coming against him. Resistance oftentimes is a prophetic indicator that God's about to do something big in your life. It says that, that, that Jesus knew. He knew what they were thinking. You know, this is crazy to me is that sometimes we try to hide our weakness from God. As if God doesn't already know what we have. We, we, try to, we try to put our best foot forward with God as if he doesn't know the thoughts we're thinking in our head. Jesus walked into the synagogue and he knew what they were thinking and he knew that the man had a shriveled hand, a withered hand, and probably, I wouldn't, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, in my own thoughts, I'm thinking about this, that the man with the withered hand was probably not out there with his hand out. Theologians would believe that he had it covered or he had it wrapped or he had it hidden. But just because it was covered doesn't mean that Jesus didn't see it. Can I just help you for a second? That, that God knows your weaknesses. Can I help the dads, all the men in the room real quick? God already knows that you have weaknesses. God already knows that there's insufficiencies that are in your life. He already knows it. We do our best to hide it. We do our best to cover it. But God, he, 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 already, he already knows. He, he knew their thoughts. We were, a couple months ago, quite a few months ago now, during quarantine, we, we had a, a, a counseling session with our counselor. You know, me and Jamie are in the same house. We're just at each other's throats. It was crazy. And so, it's, just, it's a joke. It's a joke. Um, but we, we, we see this counselor periodically, and because of quarantine, we, we're on Zoom. So we're sitting there at the dining room table, and we're on Zoom, and he's, he's there. And, and uh, he's just, you know, he's just really going after some things in Jamie's life, which I really appreciate because that's the reason I pay him. And I felt pretty good about it, and, and, and we're on Zoom there, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just uh, enjoying the, the coaching that's, ta- that's happening. And uh, all of a sudden, he turns, and he looks at me with his little Zoom eyes, and uh, he says, Dustin, I want to ask you, what are you so afraid of? I, I, I just can tell you something about, about me. There's a lot of weakness, a lot of insufficiencies in my life. Fear has never really been one of them. 
maybe recklessness or, or I'm just over-competitive, but, but like fear? That's just, I've never struggled with it. I'm an optimist. I'm a faith guy. I always believe things are going to come back. I mean, even, I mean, I'm always believing for a comeback. We were watching the Lakers, the playoffs this year, NBA playoffs, and, and I've taught my boys, like, we always believe. Like, because they, 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 they come up, I'm watching the basketball game, they'll pick the team that has the higher score. They're like, we're rooting for them. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is my house, all right? This is your last name is Bates. Like, we don't just pick a team for their uniform or for their lead. And so, so I teach them that you can always believe. So we're watching the Lakers, and I'm pretty, pretty discouraged because they're getting beat really bad. And uh, so I'm kind of like, oh, man, are you serious? Everyone's going to be talking to me about LeBron. And, and uh, Dad, Jew goes, Dad, but don't you believe? Yes, I believe, I believe, you know, whatever, whatever. And, and so we, we are, we, we taught our kids, like fear is not usually something that I, that I deal with. And, and so I honestly, I got upset over Zoom with this guy. I just want to shut the laptop on him, you know. That's the nice thing about Zoom. It's like, oops, disconnect. Sorry. Reimburse me. We had a Wi-Fi problem. But, but I stayed, and, and I pushed back on him a little bit because counselors sometimes think they know it all, you know, and they just fix people all the time. So sometimes you got pushed back a little bit. I'm like, bro, you don't know everything. It's like, like, you don't know me that well. Like, what am I afraid of? And we didn't, honestly, we did not end the session well. I was frustrated. Jamie could tell I'm frustrated. She's just like, okay. And I'm like, aha, good to see you. That was expensive. <laughs> a couple months later, I'm, I'm, I'm in prayer. I'm just in my prayer time, and I'm praying, and I'm praying for all, the, all of you that struggle with fear so bad. And, and I'm like, Lord, deliver those people. And, and, um, and, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly. I said, Dustin, what are you so afraid of? Now it's, I mean, now Randy is the, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what am I so afraid of? And I realized in that moment, there were some things I was afraid of. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal some things to me. I am afraid of that. I am afraid of that. And sometimes, even in my thoughts, I would think, oh man, I hope that doesn't happen. I am afraid of that happening. And, and, and I, 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 did, I didn't want to admit it. I didn't, I didn't want to see that. So a couple months later, we're actually in a session face-to-face, and, and, and Randy's there, and he's talking, and, and I said, hey, Randy, i got to tell you something. I said, uh, I was in prayer a little while ago, and, and uh, you know, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. I just want you to know I did identify a couple areas of fear in my life. And he's like, right, I know. That's why I asked you, what are you so afraid of? And I'm like, Whatever. Whatever. And what am I so afraid of? Did you know this, that every single person has a withered hand in their life? What's your, what, what's your withered hand? What, what are you so afraid of? Dads, can I talk to you for a second? Is that every dad has a withered hand. And we spend our life trying to show our family, our wives, our our boss that we don't have any weakness, that we have no problems. And we lie and we brag and we tell stories and we tell jokes and we avoid and we run and we overcompensate because we don't want anyone to ever see our withered hand. You know, we need dads more than we've ever needed dads before. I was reading these statistics this week. It says that 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home. 
of students in the United States from the first grade to their senior year of high school do not have a father at home. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. That equates to one in every three children in the United States not having access to their father. Children from fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out from school before graduating than children who have a father in their lives. 72% of Americans believe that a fatherless home is the most significant social problem and and family problem that is facing our country. You know what's interesting to me? Not one time in those statistics does it talk about the quality or the character of the father. It only talks about his presence. Some of you are so busy hiding your withered hand that you're running from home. And what your kids need is not perfection. They need you there. They need your presence. They need you at home. They need you at church. They need you at their games. They need you walking with them. I know you're a great provider and you're working, but some of you hide in your work to cover what's withered. Y'all right? Smile break. Happy Father's Day. There are all kinds of reasons that fathers don't show up. Selfishness, business, busyness, pressure. But the greatest reason that dads don't show up is because of withered hands or feelings of failure. Feelings of failure. We will work ourselves to death before we come home and have our withered hand exposed. We'll throw our entire marriage away for 15 minutes with a woman that hasn't seen our withered hand yet. We'll try to control our wives and our kids to attempt to compensate for our withered hand. We will throw our lives into things that don't matter to try to show people that we're successful in this area so you don't look up the sleeve at the withered hand. Jesus, as he's dealing with this man, he does a couple things. The first thing that he does which is so powerful, he tells him to get up. Which tells me that this man with the withered hand was not up, he was sitting down. He tells him, it is time to get up. Dysfunction will always attempt you to attempt to make you sit on your call. My insufficiency, my dysfunction, my withered hand, my weakness will attempt to cause me to sit on my call instead of stepping up. Do you know how many people make excuses about their call? Well, I can't because of, well, you don't understand, four years ago, I, 12 years ago, I, I grew up and this happened. Listen, everybody has a withered hand. Everybody has an excuse. Here is Jesus, and he says, it is time to get up. How long are you going to wait? Come on, man, how how long are you going to wait? How old your kids got to be? I know what you said when you graduate college and you really serve God. I know what you said when you got married, you'd be the leader. I know what you said when you have kids and you really start showing up. I know when the kids get out of high school, you really, when? When are you going to get up? When? This is what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Just, just stop this for a second. Let's listen to this. Who falls? Well, that's encouraging. That's super encouraging. Though the righteous fall. Not the ignorant, not the losers, not the idiots, not the failures. It's just the righteous. 
man falls. You know what the most important thing you can do as a dad? This speaks to everybody, but dads hear me. The most important thing you can do is not hide your fall, but to get back up. To just get back up. Walk with a limp if you have to, but refuse to stay seated on the things that God's called you to. Come imperfect if you have to. Come with a withered hand if you have to, but don't stay where you are. If a situation is going to expose our withered hand, usually people will stay away. If we know that a situation will expose our weakness or expose our failures, then we'll just stay away from that situation. If we showed our emotions before and it showed some of our weakness, then we'll just never show emotion again. If we trusted and we showed some of our vulnerability, then we'll just never trust again. First thing Jesus tells the man, he says, it's time to get up. This, this is for somebody right now in this room. You may, you, this man, if you're male, female, I'm, I'm, it might be your time today. But you got to get up. You got, you, you got to get up. Did, did you know this? He wasn't healed when he got up. He was obedient when he got up. Get up. And Jesus wasn't done because Jesus, Jesus was on a mission. He says it's time to get up. It's time to, this is what he tells him, to stand in front. He says, I want you to get up and I want you to stand in front of everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, if I'm the man with a withered hand, I'm probably not looking forward to getting up in front of everybody. Men... I think, they'll, I think they'll agree with me on this. Men love to be in front of people when they're winning. And they hate to be in front of people when they're losing. No man is going to want to stand up with a loss in front of everybody else. Not only that, he was around the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those who were successful, those who appeared to have two working hands. And Jesus says, get up. Now, now it takes it further. He says, not only get up. He says, I want you to stand up in front of everybody. Do you know what that would mean? That means that he has to be seen for what he is. He, ha he, he has to now be paraded in front of all of these proud people with his Withered, he couldn't hide it anymore. He couldn't cover it anymore. Jesus says, come here. Get up and stand in front of everyone. It would be one thing if he was going to affirm him or acknowledge some accomplishment. But he wanted this man to stand up in front of everyone with his withered hand. It is time to take your place of leadership and to stop making excuses about what you do or don't have or ways that you are or are not qualify. I'm going to tell you this. He says, take your spot. I want you to get up. I want you to take your spot. And, and I know this, this is wild in our culture. This is a wild, crazy, hot topic is that men should lead. And I'll tell, I'll tell, let me just talk about this for a second. Because men, you are the leader of your home. Stop. Now we have to define what leader is. Because people love to take the Bible and they like to cherry pick little verses and then they like to control their families with the verses that they picked. We stand on biblical values. Now in our culture, you cannot even talk about male leadership because it's a put down to women. And the problem is we've had Christians that have taken the verses out of context and taken scriptures that aid and justify their own personality and their own selfish ambition and they've weaponized the scripture against their wives and against women. And so now we don't even know what to think. The Bible says this. Jesus... When he was with his disciples, he was the leader. He was the Messiah. It says that they came in off the street and he got down on his knees and he, he washed their muddy feet. 
he was setting an example for us of what it looked like to lead. Leadership is not dictatorship. Leadership is service. This is what Jesus said. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Jesus says this, and men don't like to quote this part of the scripture. Hey, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Like, is that in there? I remember the submit part. I don't remember that part. Do you, do, you, do you know, for real, as a culture, we've, we've taken bits of this, and even as you say that scripture, some of you women in the house, you, you cringe, you, you feel the flinch factor, and it's because the scripture's been weaponized against you. But let me clear it up. If a man will lay down his life, if a man will serve, if a man will love you with selfless love, that's easy to get behind. That's easy to link arms with. That's easy to walk with. But because we've seen such a distorted, perverted picture of leadership, Men coming in. I'm the dad, that's why. Sitting in your lazy boy. Hey, I'm not going today. I've had a busy day. I've had a busy week at church or at work. You guys go. I'm the dad. You better respect me. Listen, if, if you've got to talk like that, you've already lost the battle, friend. Sir, you better get out the towel and start washing feet because your service is what will give you a platform to speak to your family. Not your authoritative voice, not your shouting, not your yelling, not you using or overcompensating for your withered hand by yelling at the house. Y'all all right? Smile break again. A lot of smile breaks today. A lot of smile breaks. He says, stand up in front of everyone. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 is interesting. Verse 13, it says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, listen to this, after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. I'm looking, and I believe God is, looking for men to stand up and to take your place. And, and, and our culture taught us that standing up and taking our place was like, yeah, we tell our family what to do. Yeah, that's, not, that's not it. It might be a little bit more of a posture like, hey, what can I do for you? How can I love you better? I'm sorry for my withered hand temper. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry that my selfish interests, my flesh got in the way of loving my family. Will you forgive me? That looks like leadership. Hey, family, I just want you to know that I'm in accountability. And I'm talking to other men. And I'm letting them know about my withered hand. And I'm not hiding it. I'm not covering it. I'm exposing it. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm being open. Hey, Family, time to wake up. It's time to go to church. We're, no, get in the car. We're going, we're, we're going to church. We're, oh, come on, right now. Listen, dad always goes to church. Don't you want to come to church with dad? This, this, this is a little different conversations. Sometimes the conversation in the home goes like this. You go to church because it's good for you. No wonder you kids don't love church. They, they love you. They want to be what you are. You've got to model love. Come on, worship like your mom. No, you worship, sir. 
Why are you out-worshipped by the young people? Why are you out-worshipped by your wife? Why, why don't you, this is leadership. Why don't you lead in love? Why don't you lead in humility? Why don't you lead in service? Can you see how this changes everything? If we get this right, the Bible is there to lead us and guide us. It is only oppressive when we take it out of context. It's actually empowering, validating, and healing when we use it the way that it was meant to be used. He says, come stand in front. A leader, a leader leads with humility. Dads, if you never get healed from your withered hand, if you would just stand up and get in position, it would do more for your family than, than you could ever imagine. You know what happens is, I got a withered hand, I'm not coming home. But if you would just get up and just be there broken, it would change your family. Be there with a withered hand. Be there with a limp. Be there with a temper. Be there with an addiction. Be there. Just be present. Don't hide it. Don't cover it. Be, I know this is a bad word. This is the V word. You can't say it in church. Be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Let the walls, let the walls down. Then Jesus, he takes it further. He says, he looked around at them all and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. It is time to stretch out your hand. This is, this, is, this crazy concept in Christianity and religion is that when we come to God, we think that we should probably give God our best, which is true. We should give him our best. But the problem is we show him our best at the expense of hiding our worst. So if we don't have best to offer, we feel like we can't come to Jesus. If, if, if I'm not good, then I can't come to Jesus. You're, you've heard people say, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Friends, good, good things doesn't get you into heaven. Relationship with Jesus gets you into heaven. Good things. That anybody, an atheist can do good things. That does not get them into heaven. You have to believe in Jesus, the one who died for our sin. That's the God. you got to believe. Now, listen to this. If, if, if you come to Jesus with all your merit and all your good works... You're going to be sorely disappointed. Here's the thing, is that most people that withdraw from the call of God because of a withered hand don't understand that everyone else in this room has a withered hand as well. Okay, dad's secret. Every other dad in this room is a failure as well. Everybody, I was, I was, talking, with, I was talking with Randy. Now we're like un unfolding our, my discovery that he already knew. And I said, Randy, it's interesting that, like, I just, I didn't, I just, I, I guess I just kind of always stuffed that. I, never, I didn't identify it as a fear, but I can see, I, I can see that it's a fear. And he told me, it was, it was really interesting, really freeing as well. He said, Dustin, being, being afraid doesn't make you bad. It makes you human. And what you're trying to do is say that you are non-human. I can't be tempted. I can't be, I will not be afraid of anything. I'm trying to fortify my weakness. I got to a place where I actually believed. There, I really believed there is no fear in me. What the Holy Spirit started revealing is that I had renamed some things so that I didn't have to feel them. And I told Randy, I said, it's interesting. I almost feel more free Listen to this, just by admitting 
that I was afraid. This is an old cliche saying, Jesus can only heal what you reveal. We come into worship and we have our hand behind our back. This should be the safest place to show your cards. People get mad sometimes. Like, well, you know, so-and-so goes to that church. You know what they've done? Yeah, that sounds like, sounds like Jesus. This is not a church for perfect people. I couldn't be the pastor here. This is a church for imperfect people that say, Jesus, we're coming to you with our garbage, our mistakes, our failures, our withered hands, all of our fears, all of our desires that are wrong, our temptations, our compromises. We're coming, and we're coming to you. This is the thing. Jesus is not intimidated by what is withered. He says, get up. Stand in front of everything. Now stretch out your hand. Withered is synonymous with weak. Stretch out your weakness. Stretch out your weakness. It's interesting the scripture notes this. It says that it was his right hand. In scripture, the right hand symbolizes power and authority. So check this out. If your right hand is withered and you refuse to show it, you can do everything right in the kingdom of God, but have no power and have no authority. Until he heals your right hand, you will never have power. What does that represent? It represents when he heals my weakness, when I allow him into my heart. You know, Paul said this. He says, in your weakness, he is made strong. He not say in your strength he's made stronger. It says in your weakness, he is made strong. My injury actually is an invitation to his healing. My difficulty is actually a magnet to the power of God. My, my problems are what God looks to, and when I can bring them to him, he says, I'm on, I'm on, my, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. It's time to stretch out your hand. To take back your family, you're going to have to stretch out your hand. Dads, hear me in this. If you're going to take back your family... You're going to have to stretch out your hand. That means you might have to be vulnerable with your weakness. That means you might have to come clean with some things that have been going on and just say, hey, I haven't loved you the way that I should have, but it's changed you today. I'm not going to be perfect, but I want you to know I'm not hiding this withered hand anymore. Think about this. Think about this. When we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus. I still do it. I just, oh, Lord, you know, I don't want you to. No, I got, I got weakness. I got temptation. I have, I got anger. I have, and I gotta bring it. I gotta bring it. And if I can, if I can stretch it out, he can heal me. Anything hidden, the enemy has power over. Anything brought into the light and revealed, God can heal. If you're going to get healed, you're going to have to stretch it out. I feel the power of God. Someone's going to get set free. I, I say this with passion because I believe it, but not with anger. There's men of God in this room. We saw them at men's conference. There's men of God. I'm telling you, we've got men of God in this church. I want you to know something. You're in a safe place. Just stretch out your hand. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to carry that addiction. Well, I'm the only one. Really? No, you're not. Maybe the only one being honest. 
we start, it'd take us about 30 minutes to dig into each and everybody's life and find the withered hand. Everybody's got it. I could probably ask you about four questions and find your withered hand. Not me. There's yours. You gave it away first one. That's called pride. It's like, man, that is easy. That is, that is easy. You got to make it a little harder than that. Sounds like me with Randy. No, I don't. What are you so afraid of? I'm not. Right, man, we're going to need another hour. Shut You know God's going to set somebody free today? God's going to set somebody free. How do you get healed? First step, get up. Second step, stand in front of everyone. What does this mean? This is not parading. This is taking your rightful spot. Yeah, as a leader, as a servant. As a servant. As a servant. Come on, women. Any wives in here would just love to see a servant husband? I mean, just no one's ever afraid. Nope, not me, not me. You got your own withered hand, I see. It's okay. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little different today. In just a minute, I'm going to have everybody stand, and then I'm going to do an altar call for every man in the room that wants to stretch out their hand to the Lord. You don't have to tell anybody what you're stretching out. I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be freedom at this altar today. And part of it is going to be just by getting up, coming and standing in front of everybody. You can look this way. You don't have to look that way. And stretching out your hand. Stretching out your hand.